This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's now 9.37 a.m. this Wednesday morning, the 23rd of September. You're listening to The SNM Show with Melissa, Julian and Ibrahim. Now, the government recently announced a 20 billion ringgit uh, injection into the stock market via value cap. Uh, and to give you some context, the uh, 20 billion ringgit is actually only 2% of KLCI's market cap. So right now, after a week, a week or so after the announcement, analysts are asking if that 20 billion ringgit is in fact enough to boost the stock market or is it just a band-aid solution? Now, this kind of thing has been done before. Uh, uh, we saw that being done in Hong Kong uh, back uh, way back when uh, the crisis in Asia happened uh, in 1997. They set up what is called the Hong Kong Tracker Fund. Uh, and value cap itself is not new. It was something that was uh, conceived in 2002 uh, with three main shareholders, uh, Kazana, Coop, uh, which is the uh, Pension Fund for Civil Servants, uh, mm-hmm. the Civil Servants EPF, and also uh, PNB, which is, co- of course, Pomodalan National Berhad. Uh, so that's the background, and now they're using the same vehicle uh, to try to inject that money into the stock market. Now, of course, this, this brings about a larger picture. It's not just about whether or not 20 billion is enough or otherwise. This is a question of whether or not the government should do it in the first place. And it, regardless of whether it, the vehicle is value cap or any other vehicles out there, I think uh, the government must realize that sometimes you have to let market forces take place and actually have that view that you know you can't actually jump in and and you know flood the money, flood the market with money just because you know it's needed. Well, I I also seem to think that um, markets responded very well to this. I think immediately after um, the announcement, the KLCI jumped about 2.2% um, the day after that announcement was made. So I guess it achieved that very fact, right? It, a kind of a boost in terms of sentiment. People looking, investing in the stock market think, oh, the, the government's acting, something's happening. So uh, in a way, it was a short, it was kind of a steroid injection. Um, <laughs> if you pardon the, you know, pardon my language. very short window, right? The, the market has since then uh, come down as well, right? right? Uh, so uh, to look at market rises uh, on just a daily basis is something that is not logical for policy makers. Fine, uh, they make that announcement and I think uh, some quarters actually believe that uh, this is just a verbal signal that government is making and not really having any intentions to act on it. But still, uh, even when you look at, let's say, the perceived one day or two days success of it when the market went up sharply sharply post-announcement, is that good policy? Because the governments are there, supposed to be there to think of long-term policy. Which is, uh, which I think brings us back to the uh, reason, the point that you made just now, Jules. What was the reason for value cap to be set up in the first place? If, in fact, value cap um, followed uh, the same kind of investment mandate that it did back in 2003, which is to buy stocks that are oversold but have good fundamentals, then this, this in 20 billion injection through value cap might actually do some good in terms of supporting those stocks, right? And I feel that, uh, yeah, maybe, but I I feel that you can't actually will 
the markets and will prices into submission, right? You can't say, oh, I'm going to spend 20 billion ringgit right now and hopefully the market goes up. No, the market goes up and down according to its own fundamentals, according to its own uh, feelings and uh, direction. Uh, because you, you can argue on hindsight that, hey, uh, since the Hong Kong Tracker Fund was set up, it has been extremely successful. Yeah. But but that's only that's maybe because the market fundamentals have improved. And even looking at our own history of the Asian financial crisis, when everyone, almost everybody at the time was in so much pain, right, financial pain, uh, that it was very seductive and tempting for governments to, to agencies to come in and start uh, supporting the market artificially, intervening in the market. But still, uh, I think we didn't, we didn't really do that at that time. And still the market recovered because right. uh, economic cycles uh, go but at ab what, ab and flow. But at what cost, right, Jules? I think that that is the question here. I mean, I'm not arguing for this 20 billion injection, but um, the, the people who support this move, I think, seem to think that we're, they're trying to uh, stop um, the, the fall get any worse. Now, the best comparison to benchmark this is, of course, the Chinese uh, stock market. We saw the Shanghai Composite meltdown. They rose very sharply throughout the year from January 2015 all the way to June uh, 2015. They rose up from 3,000 points all the way to 5,000 points. And that growth has now depleted this today. We're at the same level as it was in December 31st, 2014. But what at what cost, Melissa? About a few billion dollars, actually because uh, they're, they're trying to, the Chinese government is trying to shore up a $6 trillion stock market and based on you know Julian's uh, assessment, you need to have market fundamentals, you need to have the right values and feelings coming through and because of that, no matter how much money you pour into the water, it's like pouring salt into the ocean. Well, it's like catching a falling knife, isn't it? Catching a falling knife, salt in the ocean and a band-aid uh, stuck to let's a dam. Let's just like, throw it all in let, there, let's, Jules. Let's bring out all those Bring all the English parables <laughs> out. Analogies. <laughs> Um, but you see, exactly that, because the Chinese, the great uh, stock intervention of China has not succeeded. Uh, but I, I guess it's a matter of time frame, right? You, you stretch the time frame a little bit longer and the Chinese stock market may actually go up uh, three two, three or five years down the road and then on hindsight you can say, hey, if not for that great intervention, the market wouldn't have gone up. So it's all about the context of timing and the Chinese government spent as much uh, through various measures, uh, through their state agencies and through direct spending and so on, about 400 billion US dollars. Uh, wow. Can that 400 billion dollars be used for other things? That's the question. Yeah, and, and can that 20 billion ringgit be used for a multitude of other things here in Malaysia, right? And, and just to put things into context, because we, a, a lot of us are very angry about GST's implementation. How much is GST raising this year? about 25, 30 billion, right? Yep. And you're taking 20 billion of that to spend on the stock market. Should the government be doing this? I guess, you know, go, just quickly going back to what you, you said about whatever, what is the time frame, right? In the event that uh, fundamentals of the economy in Malaysia here continue to deteriorate, corporate earnings come in below expectations, the the twenty billion would just kind of evaporate in, in a in a heartbeat. Right? That, that's right. So marrying the two statements here, Julian, you mentioned that twenty five billion, for instance, is expected to be garnered from GST. And Melissa, you're saying that twenty billion is still not enough. You know, it's just going to be evaporated over time. Uh, that means that there, is there another way of doing things? Uh, we saw in in Japan, uh, they they made the the the, the Japan <coughs> Postal Service or Japan Post actually made it uh, uh, you know into a in, retail investor base. Uh, 
uh, out of the IPO, you know, 80% will be uh, offered to retail investors. Is this a better way to get people involved in stock markets rather than just taking money that out, uh, out like that? Actually, the Hong Kong Tracker Fund, which was set up for the same purpose, uh, succeeded wildly, but not for the reasons that you would expect. Uh, it's not from the direct support of the stock market, but the Hong Kong Tracker Fund was successful because uh, the government made investments into these stocks and then the economic fundamentals improved. Uh -huh. It's not that the government's action triggered uh, a confidence injection into the market. And the fund was also very successful because it was then unitized and sold as unit trust to the public and the public is buying into this. And then the government, the government made uh, a lot of money mm. for their people. So the question then becomes, should the government be involved in this kind of stock market speculation. And it's very different from uh, the kind of bailout situations that the US government embarked on for companies like uh, General Motors right. and AIG. Uh, they, they, you know, flat out bailed out these companies, uh, which, is another, which is a story for another day, right? That's, that's not quite right too. But uh, they made money out of it as well. Uh, but that, that was for the purpose of actually uh, supporting uh, the system under which uh, this confidence flight uh, would have crumbled the entire financial system. Well, it's now 9.45am and we'll um, coming up after this, more on that 20 billion ringgit uh, value cap injection in the stock market and the uh, potential consequences on BFM 89.9. Good morning, it's now 9.48am. Melissa, Ibrahim and Julian here with you on the SNM show. Now recently you may have heard Putrajaya unveiled several broad measures to strengthen the economy. One specifically that we're looking at is the 20 billion ringgit injection uh, via value cap to boost the stock market. So the question we're asking this morning actually is, will these measures work? And if they won't, what will? Right? That's right. Uh, so you're talking about 20 billion, as we all know, is barely a dent on either the stock market or the GDP of Malaysia. I guess uh, some of these policy tools are pretty commonplace, right? Uh, you have monetary policy. Hey, you know, interest rates, your, your good old <laughs> interest rates, uh, money printing. Now, the difference between uh, money printing, interest rates and uh, stock market support is that uh, interest rates is something that uh, affects the entire nation. And, uh, primarily through banks, they're able to lend you more or less money and uh, that uh, hopefully can boost business. Is that better than a stock support fund? I think so. I think it's something that uh, is for the entire economy. Now, of course, uh, then the question is, what else can the government do? I mean, $20 billion may seem small in the stock market, but it does mean that it can be brought about with other things, uh, you know, in, in introducing better education, childcare, and a bunch of other things. In fact, uh, Professor Mohamed Yunus, the founder of Grameen Bank, uh, basically the, basic, the founder of microfinance in the world, right? He actually came to Malaysia a few years ago and gave a speech at university here. And he said that one of the things that the government, the government of Malaysia did right was to subsidize the internationalization of uh, tertiary education for Malaysians, actually sending out Malaysian students abroad under the government sponsorship program and, and, and under JPA for, for that matter, and trying to educate Malaysians and ma building a working class that is long term. Now, imagine twenty billion dollars can go twenty billion ringgit can go a long way with regards to sponsoring students abroad uh, with JPA scholarships. But you know, guys, all the things that you guys have just said, that's long-term measures, right? We're talking about generational 
additional effects. What the 20 billion ringgit has done, uh, best case scenario, is a short-term stem of volatility. And I think that was what, um, perhaps, is that... Is that the way to go here? I mean, trying to stop this short-term volatility that the market's seen, it's clearly a band-aid measure. Um, it doesn't address any of the fundamentals. But if that is, in fact, the mandate for it, 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 it has done its job. Well, I think the crucial thing to note here is that you're trying to address confidence, right? And the question is, does 20 billion support of the stock market instill confidence? I, I still think it will come to naught because... Um, when you when you talk about confidence, there are so many other things you can do. You you can have even a fiscal policy, uh, some kind of stimulus package, that benefits uh, a lot more people than just stock market investors. The, there there is this thing called moral hazard. If you bail out. Uh, Participants of the stock markets, uh, they are a very small group of people, relatively speaking, uh, compared to the entire population of Malaysia. So you can use something like monetary policy or fiscal policy, which benefits everybody, not just uh, stock market participants. And then you, if you again, if you go back to the idea of confidence, uh, there is this paradigm shift that can be taken in uh, the framework of our institutions. Uh, governance, for instance, mm-hmm. accountability, uh, the eradication, or, or rather steps. You can't eradicate corruption overnight, but you can take steps and try to send signal that is free, that's coming at free, yep. not 1 billion, not 5 billion, or not 20 <laughs> billion bucks. You just need to say that I'm going to stem corruption. And I think the stock market would rise, right? I mean, uh, you know, the best way to look at this is the corruption case of uh, the former Selangor Menteri Besar, right? Ketoyo, and we saw that there's still a lot of th- things being discussed. Well, that, that, didn't, that didn't push the needle on the I stock will, market, Well, I, I have to say, Jules, just going, uh, what, what you just said kind of triggered something um, that I read. Uh, so, President, the Chinese President Xi Jinping is in the US for his first state visit, and he gave uh, an interview with uh, Bloomberg, oh, sorry, Wall Street Journal, this one of his first um, interviews after the whole stock market route in China, and, and some things that he said seem to send a signal to the market, things that he's uh, doing about corruption, his anti-graph campaign. And um, at one point, I think uh, a lot of analysts, even um, Michael Yoshikami, whom we spoke to this morning, said that they responded very positively to some of the, the reforms that uh, Xi Jinping is, is putting in the market. So you're right, those signals are free. They don't cost 20 billion ringgit to do. Um, but I think it, it's a very bold stand to take. Well, um, <clears throat> just just to be a little bit pedantic about it, uh, the Chinese stock market actually uh, came down uh, yesterday, and, and I think maybe perhaps I don't know what the latest numbers are. Uh, certainly, it's a very short-term reaction uh, from what uh, President Xi was saying, but I, I think that. Um, they have been saying this for a long time. Uh, reforms, transformation in China has is is a known fact. But is reform in Malaysia uh, a known quantity? Is is it something new for the market? Right. So you just need to utter uh, those words and, and get reform. and get people excited. Uh, perhaps <laughs> that would have an impact on and the stock market. And that does have an impact. You're right, uh, Julian. In fact, to fall back on what Melissa says, you know, the long term was a short term gain. Right. Short term, we saw this. And in fact, it's not just about the to the KLCI being bumped 2 to 3% after this announcement was made, actually was made in tandem with other announcements as well. Kazana, Kazana as well, so yeah, on. you're right. Right, so uh, does this have a positive impact? Yes, it does. Does it affect the fundamentals? Maybe not. But does it affect the sentiment or the, 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 the market perception towards how things are done? Definitely, because we saw it in the, in the numbers. It's a quantitative result right there. So I guess it does, in the short term, solve the problem, but we still have a lot of fundamental issues that we need to look at. All right, well, it's now 9.54 a.m. And you've been listening to the SNM show on the morning run with 
Julian Ng, Ibrahim Sani and me, Melissa Idris on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.